0: Check out heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. Started up when we make a stuff off like you got it not. That's when it got wheels off. If you're a fan of Americana music, roots music, you probably know who Parker Milsap is already. The kind of music he makes, though, transcends that genre descriptor as is often the case. And Parker Millsap's a young guy. His new album that's coming out right now is his fifth album. But, man, when he burst out onto the scene back in 2014, he was already, or 2012, he was already pretty fully formed. I mean, this guy, he's the real deal. He's an incredible instrumentalist. He's a great songwriter. He's got such a great voice, really soulful, strong, authentic, not as if he's, sometimes you call someone authentic and it sounds like they're trying to pull one over on you, but it really feels like that's just who he is. He's this guy that sings like a bird and writes these really deep, meaty songs. So I was super excited to get to speak to him, and it didn't disappoint Of course, we're speaking over Zoom, and uh, there's a little bit of a rumble in the middle of the interview. At one point, we veer off into (laughs) a few minutes of pretty nerdy music talk, and I, I don't expect you to understand it if you're not a musician. Just know that when musicians talk about songs and the chords that go in songs, your main chord is the one. The other main chords are the four or the five, there's eight, you know, whatever. So those are just those numbers refer to different chords within the structure of a song. So yeah, we do geek out on that a little bit. But don't worry, we get right back on track. There's a couple of S bombs in the song in case you in the song, in the in the interview, in case you're listening with your kids. But mostly it's just me getting to talk to sort of the next generation version of a songwriter. I mean, I won't say that we're super similar. We come from different backgrounds. And I certainly can't take credit for any of his brilliance, but it's is—it's sweet to get to see someone that's one full generation behind me coming along, doing a great job, doing all the right stuff for all the right reasons. I think that's a probably a fair description of Parker Millsap. So I'm so glad to have him as my guest on Wheels Off. Please welcome Parker Millsap. Welcome to Wheels Off, Parker Millsap. Howdy, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Glad to be here. Man, this is so great. Um, For the edification of our listeners, can you tell everybody where you're at right now?
2: Yeah, I am in Madison, Tennessee, just kinda north of Nashville. Nice.
1: And that's where you live? hmm Yep. I moved here from Oklahoma about seven years ago. I see I see a drum set behind you. Or is this your Oh yeah. Music that's my group? drum set. Nice. Yeah, my basement. Here we go.
2: There's there's a guitar over here. There's yeah. lots of <laughs> stuff over there.
1: Anyway. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where it kind of took me a while before I figured, I always assumed that a lot of the guitar work on your records was somebody else and, and probably some of it is. But I figured out kind of deep into it that you play like a lot of instruments and you're a pretty great musician, it seems like, too, in addition to having that voice. <laughs> well, thank you. That's not how I think of myself. But uh,
2: <laughs> I I think... The guitar is all me on the records, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thanks for noticing. I, it was, you know, I I started playing music in church when I was pretty young um, and started singing around the same time that I started playing guitar. Um, So to me, it's like, yeah, the guitar is, you know, older than songwriting for me, for sure. Oh my God.
1: Well, I, it's funny. I have, I have a number of thoughts about that, but I, maybe I'll circle back around. I want to start where where we always start with wheels off by um, asking what creative project are you working on right now and how does it light you up?
2: Um, I am writing some new songs. I've got this record coming out in God, like a month and change. Um, so I'm, you know, those songs are all like two years old at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm ready for new songs. So I've been writing some new stuff. Um, uh, lately, it's been all about melody for me, just classic melodies. Like I've been listening to a lot of um, like jazz and American songbook stuff and just something about the way that composers and writers in that era moved melody through chords is so mysterious to me and uh yeah so that's almost like show tune kind of stuff this is the stuff that's been coming into my head but you know it always comes across as like kind of an americana thing because that's my skill set um but yeah i've been uh yeah just learning new chords and figuring out how to
1: write melodies around them it's funny i've um i've really enjoyed watching the evolution of your stuff because i mean you came out of the gate so hot you know, um, as far as the first record that I feel like I and probably most people knew from you, um, you know, it was already so great and sort of fully formed. But then it's been interesting to see from record to record. And even now with um, with Vulnerable, like that's such a soulful song, like it, it reminded me of like Leon Bridges or something like it's it, which is kind of sweet because it musically speaks to the theme of the song which is like you being like hey I don't have to like show off how tough I am musically and that it, mm-hmm. it, I, I love that it's really it, they work together well the sound and the theme
2: and thanks yeah I really love that's probably my favorite song on the record the production and the song you know um yeah I really started with like a drum loop you know on this keyboard right over here <laughs> this like weird 2000s clavinova thing it's got like thousands of kind of cheesy beats in it um so yeah, it started with new hip hop too, and eventually, <laughs> and eventually became vulnerable. Um, yeah, that's one that just kind of like came together over a few months playing with this chord change. How does that feel? What about this? You know?
1: And it's funny too because I felt like you know before I sort of read the bio um, and figured out that you did have like a whole childhood steeped in church stuff and church mm-hmm. music. I kept going, God, that sounds like a, a hymn. That sounds like, you know, because there are structures that you were using, especially on the first couple of albums, where yeah. they were really built on stuff that felt like it was like a, a old time, you know,
2: revival. Yeah. Major that major pentatonic it like something about it is so deep in my brain <laughs> that I, you know, I can't really get rid of that part of, you know, my musical DNA, you know, just growing up around hymns all the time. Um, you know, in addition to all the other stuff that I was listening to, but yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely there. And, you know, with this new record, have they sent you the whole record or have you just heard the stuff that's out? I just heard the stuff that's out. Okay. Yeah. There, there are a few songs that definitely have a very hymn vibe. And, uh, I think for a minute, I, didn't like that about my writing but now it's, that's that's what i do i guess <laughs> do it
1: you know um yeah um that's so funny so i wonder the kind of, there's I, first of all i wonder growing up in that environment did you rebel like what did you like Go get the first two. Well, see, I'm showing my age here, which is like, did you go get the first two Motley Crue records? Which by the way are actually quite good. But yeah, was there great guitar sounds? Yeah. <laughs> was there any like stuff that nobody would guess that you were that you got just to sort of piss off the parents or just to um, rebel musically?
2: Not really, because my parents are both like broad listeners. They like yeah. my mom loves like Pink and Britney Spears, you know, and <laughs> you know, on top of Robert Johnson you know like she yeah. listens to, she and my dad's the same way like I grew up listening to a lot of gospel but also a lot of like Texas singer-songwriters um, and I don't know like Ray Cooter and ACDC oh, yeah. you know like I kind of got a healthy dose of all of it um, which I'm really grateful for.
1: Nice so ACDC was not banned in the house?
2: No not at all and like my parents let's see I think they graduated high school and like a six or seven. Oh so they're just like, when I, when I learned back in black, they like came into my room. They're like, oh, you're really playing that aren't you?
1: You know, <laughs> like they were pumped about it. So your parents yeah. are literally three years older than I am. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I still like you Parker. Um, <laughs> so, so I wonder for you growing up, was there a moment that you knew you were, were going to do music or was it just unspoken always part of your awareness?
2: Well, I think for a long time, I didn't think about music in a, I guess, capitalist way, you know, like it was, it was like something I did at church as much as it was something that, you know, we listened to at home while we were cleaning the house or something. Um, And I didn't really think of doing it for a living until I was probably like 14. I was taking lessons from this guy named Travis Linville, who's a great Oklahoma songwriter. Um, And... I was taking lessons from him for a few months and he was like, Hey man, this is going to be our last lesson. Cause I, I'm going to go on tour, you know? And I like, I've got some shows. I'm going to be backing up a guy and then I'm going on my own solo tour. And I was just like, what This my teacher can make money just playing shows? You know, like I had never put that together. Um, and not too long after that, um, you know, like, my dad realized like I was into it and I had put together like a little high school band and like got us a little PA so we could play back to school bashes and stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So you were doing your first gigs pretty early then.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like by 14 or so, I was doing gigs, you know, first in like high school cover bands and then eventually writing my own stuff. Um, Yeah. And I think, I mean, probably the first time I got paid, I think it was a back to school bash. I think they paid us like a hundred bucks. And I was like, if I can make a hundred bucks a day from now until forever, sure, I'll do this.
1: <laughs> you know? Oh, that makes me so happy. Okay. <laughs> so when, when you brought up the major pentatonic scale, it made me wonder, did you study? Did you ever go to a proper music school or was it just teachers like...
2: No, just random teachers. First, it was this lady named Donna Sherman. I hope she listens to this. Hi, Donna. <laughs> um, who, she taught me all the basics, like, you know, all the major and minor chords and basic scales and some like basic sight reading. And then eventually I took from a guy named Terry Ware and then this Travis Linville who I mentioned. Um, and then after that, that was probably like 14, 15 or so. And then after that, I just started, you know, studying through the internet. Um, so I I still can't really sight read, but I know a decent amount of theory, you know.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Well, I do feel like, I mean, I, I'm listening to your songs going, damn it, how did he figure out, like, the like even the upcoming stuff sounds like you're taking it even a step further and as far as chord progressions and the the melodies are so frequently unexpected, you know? Like, um, it almost reminds me, like, I remember when I first was doing gigs with Elliot Smith, and I would listen, oh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. but I am, yeah. But yeah, I would listen to the melodies he'd come up with, and I would be thinking like, I would never have thought of that. Like, and so the same thing happens when I listen to your music, and I just, yeah. it's it's funny. I wonder, like, do you feel like there was um, one specific teacher? Like, at what point did you just take this left turn, or do you think that it's genetic? Why are you, <laughs> why are you so? Why are you so great at music? <laughs> Can I pay you to do this yeah, just I know. to hype me
2: up? <laughs> uh. um, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it's, you know, I think that I write really simple melodies. <laughs> you know, like from my perspective, because I was there from like the you know the genesis of whatever the idea ended up becoming. Um, usually, by the time I finish something, it's gone through enough variation that I feel like it's exhausted. You know, like my mind's just like you know that's boring now like what's the next thing um but i mean i'm gonna say greatest teacher for melody and chords and with relation to like what i do is paul mccartney like (laughs) yeah the way i mean and and a lot of his writing to me has something to do with gospel music weirdly it's he uses a lot of the two like the minor two or the the two with the seven like He leans on that in a way that reminds me of gospel music, and that's something that I've definitely incorporated into my songwriting a lot more in the last few years, just kind of how, yeah, basing things around the two chord can um, just give it a gospel-y feel.
1: Okay, now I'm going to warn the listeners that we're we're heading for a momentarily into sort of wonky musical territory. But I wonder about this because I, I recently did a solo record with a producer named Sam Cohen from Houston, who's mm-hmm. a really great guitar player and producer. And there were a couple of songs where he encouraged me to go. I, I had done the pop music thing of going to the major two, right? Mm-hmm. A- and um, And he quoted Miles Davis at me and said... I'm pretty sure it was Miles Davis. I'm I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I think it was Miles Davis. And it sounds like the ornery kind of thing that Miles Davis would say. He goes, man, the major two is ruining music. I don't know. Don't ever let me hear anybody here play a major two. And it was because I think the Beatles and it's it's a really sunny movement for those of you that don't like like me, really in music. It's a, are you going to play us an example?
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. (laughs) Why not? Um, So yeah, so like if you're in A here... Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah. So to the major two, it'd be... And then normally it'd be followed by like a five, right? Yeah. But then, but then going to the minor two... And which is more traditional
1: maybe, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. But then the thing that I like that's bluesy and like gospely to me is going to the two, but it has a seven in it, so... And you can also, like, climb up with this one. And then, <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, anyways. Oh, my God. That's so great.
1: <laughs> what was that passing chord? Uh, I think it's a
2: diminished or half diminished minor 7 flat 5. I don't know. Okay. Yes. All right. So, from the A to that. So, it's yeah. like A7, but with the. But with the B flat on the bottom, sure. And then, and
1: then
2: that's, that's so just great! Oh
1: my god, that makes me so happy. That's what uh, I've been doing all quarantine. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, okay, well, so back to general stuff that yeah. everyone <laughs> understand. Um, so y- you had kind of brought up um, the early on you. Uh, You thought of yourself in a certain way, but then you had to realize, oh, well, maybe this is just who I am. I wonder about this a lot. I I wonder about, like, the stories we tell ourselves and the, 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 the walls we run into internally, the obstacles we generate internally. I wonder, like, I don't necessarily... I'm not asking you to like go through what are your deepest darkest fears and all that, but I wonder. Let's do it no, but I wonder like when you do run up against those kind of internally generated obstacles. Sometimes people talk about um, uh, imposter syndrome or success guilt or these things. Oh yeah, yeah. So when you run up against, real. yeah, when you run up against those, like, what are your what are your tricks to to get past that? Hmm,
2: I think forcing myself into if it, if it's a specifically creative context um like forcing myself to just approach it from a different angle or just do something else um and uh, like for example if i'm trying to write something on guitar and i'm running into a wall move to piano you know capo it up try to learn what you're already doing on a different instrument and see if that pushes it in a different direction you know um so that's like a practical thing but also on like a, a daily level I think having like a relationship with an instrument isn't is important or it's important to me like and being able to separate it from my life as a songwriter and as like Parker Millsap you know um <laughs> being able to like approach my relationship with my instrument and just music in general from more of like a personal growth way so for me what that looks like is a lot of noodling. It's like meditation for me to just sit there and like mess around and even just play ugly stuff and like get comfortable with that. Like, oh, nasty. I'll do it again. You know, Um, that helps me a lot to to avoid boundaries on, you know, music or what I do. And and also like listening to a crazy variety of music, you know, like listening to, I listen to a lot of stuff that's non-vocal, you know, so like a lot of, indian classical music or like um what is, what is the instrument like the african harp i forget what it's the instrument's called the, um in, the in yeah
1: i, I know what yeah saying.
2: yeah <laughs> that kind of stuff um i find that freeing you know and then i feel like when i bring it back to the context that i you know create in for outward stuff um i can bring something back from that It feels fresh, you know, and then it feels like I'm using my. What would be a hindrance, like, oh, this is just what I do. I'm bored with it, you know, then it becomes something that's a strength, you know, like, oh, here's how I can incorporate this other thing into who I already am.
1: Boy, I love it. That's so practical. Even the very first thing you said is something that I remember distinctly hearing Bob Dylan say once whenever he gets stuck on a song, he moves from guitar to piano or back again whatever the instrument he's not playing but i it's i feel like the the crux of that is that you challenge yourself you know even in those even in the choices of what you listen to when you listen to like the the indian music which has a completely different musical scale you know and all these things yeah. you're sort of challenging your ears and i even wonder if you can take that sort of practical songwriter um aspect of that of that advice and just say like that could maybe just be applied to us as human beings like when you run up against something that's difficult internally like maybe you can challenge yourself something i recently heard was um i don't mean to take over the interview but somebody i recently uh, something i recently heard was um if someone tells you something that you don't like you don't want to hear do try doing the exercise right away of imagining that they're right like, what would, be, what would that be like if they were right? Yeah. yeah. It's good, but it's that, it's that like challenge yourself. Like, don't, don't let yourself, because then your internally negative voices, that's, you know, maybe they're right. Cause I just doing the same shit I always do. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I love that. I've never heard that. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> I mean, it's a good, like ego check. It is. Yeah, it's just like, hmm. I I don't know everything. I know that I don't know everything. Why do I think that I'm right about this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm married and I live with two teenagers, so believe me that oh, comes in handy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, okay, so speaking of which, um you're one of the younger guests I've had in the couple of years I've been doing this. Um so it's it's not as far, it's not as far distant a memory for you to think back on a 21-year-old version of yourself.
0: And I wonder mm-hmm.
1: i wonder what advice you might give yourself if you encountered yourself working in today's world, you know, slightly later than when you were actually 21. What advice might you give yourself?
2: Hmm. Relax. <laughs> Just relax. <laughs> Don't try so hard. You know what I mean? Like, try hard for you, not for other people. Do you feel yeah. like you did that? Uh, the, the, I I guess the older I get, the more I realize how much I've done it, you know? Um, and like, I still do it, but it's also, it's that like recognizing like, okay, there's a piece of me that needs to be clapped for, you know, (laughs) and, and just kind of like reckoning with it, just, uh, being like, okay, that's a part of me, but that's not
1: all of who I am, you know? It's funny. So when I heard you describe, um, the noodling that you do and how close it is to meditation. I mean, that's something Mm -hmm. that comes up a lot in these conversations, Um, not even just musicians, but like all the different writers and painters and even chefs that I've spoken to. There's a meditative aspect to um, the act of creation. And I wonder like if for you, if that has, if that, if that's something that's kind of kept you sane uh, specifically, maybe even during this, during the pandemic.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like, up until i started touring when i was like 19 or 20 um i spent a lot of time playing guitar and like having the relationship with that instrument and that's kind of relationship with yourself you know you're talking to yourself with your instrument um and the more i toured the less i played in my off time and you know then like when you start doing it for money for real money then it like all feet there's weirdness with it that's hard to reconcile with um so pandemic's actually been really great in that way i mean not that i would ever wish that this would happen yeah. to us <laughs> but um but it's been good because i've you know gone back to more like playing for me and uh and having that relationship with the instrument and with music in a way that's um less about um like gratification from external sources and more about music for the sake of like ha- this is amazing. You know, it's amazing. You're moving the air around and it makes you
1: feel feelings. I love that. It's, it comes up a lot that what you make is like a conversation you're having with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I like the way you just put it, that it's a conversation you're having with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Especially that's, right now that we're all trapped in our homes. Yeah. I,
2: like the new record that's coming out um, and actually vulnerable. Um the working title of that song and and the record was note to self ah. because i because i feel like a lot of these songs uh really are kind of that for me they're me talking myself through some stuff um i feel like earlier i approached songwriting from more of like a storytelling place or like exploring other people's point of view but i feel like this one's really like kind of a mirror you know
1: yeah I I got that from the earlier records. I felt like there was a lot of third person and a lot of like Mm -hmm. story arcs and characters. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, I, I love, I I, I love getting to talk to you right now because I feel like the evolution of you as a songwriter is so interesting. Like it's, you're in, you're still at in a pretty early part of it, but you've come so far. I think it's pretty fascinating. I can't wait to hear what you've been writing during this lockdown. It's It's, weird. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh man, I can't wait. So the new record's coming out now. You won't get to do a proper tour for a while. Right. Probably won't get to tour
2: until like, you know, fingers crossed fall. Um, so, but we're going to do, I mean, we've already recorded like live versions of all the tunes and we're going to do that again at like a venue, I think, and end up releasing like, you know, a live show, um, to kind of tide everybody over for, you know, a few more months. Um, I know. Yeah. That's, it's weird to not be on tour. Like it's it's for the first time in my adult life, I'm not on tour. You know, it's like a learning process.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I was glad to hear you describe some silver linings that had come out of it for you because that's been my sort of mantra to try and find those. Yeah. Yeah. And just like
2: focusing on gratitude. Like I haven't, I haven't got the COVID I've got a room. I've got a room full of, cool shit to make music with you know i have a wife who loves me you know i'm not alone during this time (laughs) so yeah yeah.
1: oh man well this is really great congratulations on the new record and um thank you so much i hope we get to do a gig together before too too long let's do it when we can man i'm down i love it well thank you so much parker mill for being on wheels off oh yeah thanks for having me every day Thanks y'all
0: out there.
2: Yes, what everyone? I'm Hal Schwartz and I'm Flynn McLean.
0: So, please subscribe to Numbat the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform. And we hope to see you throw the line up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.